here on this uh, lovely Sunday morning. I hope that our minds have been attuned to the mind of God this morning as we have gathered together as one mind to worship our God and to sing praises to Him, to go to His throne of mercy and grace and prayer, to gather around the table of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and to uh, remember how much our Father loves us and how much His Son loves us and the lengths to which they were willing to go to make our salvation in Christ possible. And as we continue this morning in our worship to God to open His Word together and to uh, see what God has revealed to us from His mind that can be of help and of benefit to each one of us. As our brother Xavier uh, mentioned a couple of times this morning in leading songs, uh, we are talking this day about defeating discouragement. Uh, We looked in the first hour at the nine o'clock hour about this particular lesson, and we thought about two helps that Scripture gives us for defeating discouragement as God's people today, to number one, to realize that discouragement comes to all of us. You know, all of us are made in the image of God, and yet all of us are unique. All of us have different personalities. All of us have uh, different things that make us tick, as we say sometimes. Uh, And even among this group here at Fairview Park, even the most encouraging person that maybe you can think of, I'm sure that even the most encouraging among us becomes discouraged from time to time. We all deal with seasons in our life where we are discouraged about just a variety of things that may be going on in our lives and things that are out of control. And so I think it helps us, at least it helps me sometimes when I am discouraged to remember that I'm not the only one who is going through difficult times. That all of us as God's people deal with difficulties and we suffer to some degree in some way. And then secondly, we looked or thought about looking to our great example, Jesus Christ. As we have sung about this morning, and I appreciate uh, the songs that our brother Xavier has uh, chosen to lead us in. I think they are just uh, so connected to our thoughts this day. Uh, As is usually the case on usually Friday afternoon, I send out an email to uh, our song leaders and let them know what I'm going to be preaching. And I think Gavin does the same thing. And uh, it helps when they know what you're preaching ahead of time to kind of plan the song service around that. But I thought with this lesson, I I don't know of any songs that talk about discouragement or certainly we don't like to think about discouragement that much or we like to sing encouraging kind of songs. But uh, I think Xavier's done a really good job of picking out those songs that will help us in that frame of mind. And so when we are discouraged, we can always look to our great example, Jesus Christ, as he faced a number of discouraging situations in his earthly life and see how he dealt with those and how he shows us the way through those. As we continue thinking in this hour about defeating discouragement, we want to look at three more helps or tools that God gives us in his word that will help us to defeat this most pervasive tool of the devil as he tries to destroy us in our lives. We can remember thirdly that God is for for us. When discouragement comes to our life, we often feel defeated. As we talked about in the nine o'clock hour, we often feel alone. We often feel like, why me? We often feel like I'm the only one that is having to deal with this trouble or trial in my life. And we can feel defeated. We often feel like sometimes no one else is for us, that maybe those that are supposed to be 
our friends, even as we looked at the example of Jesus there in the garden this morning, as he is pouring out his heart, as even the sweat is becoming light drops of blood, that he is so intense and fervent in his prayer to his father there, and yet he comes back a couple of times and finds Peter, James, and John, his closest friends and associates and apostles that would take the gospel to the world, he finds that they are sleeping. And sometimes maybe we feel like that when we're going through a discouraging time, that all of our friends are asleep, that they really don't seem to care what we are dealing with. We can feel when we are discouraged that everyone is against us, that the world has turned against us. But if we are a child of God and a follower of Jesus Christ, we need to be reminded of this promise, this truth, that God is always for us. I want us to go to the book of Romans in chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, I, I know that I preached a sermon on this passage, I don't remember, a number of months ago. I think it was earlier this year. But it's such a great passage. It is such an encouraging, uplifting passage. It is good for us, I think, when we are discouraged to go back to texts like this and to remind ourselves of what the reality of the situation really is. So in Romans chapter 8, let's begin reading there at verse 31. The Apostle Paul asks this question. He says, what then shall we say to these things? That as he has talked about earlier here in the book, that yes, we're all under condemnation of sin. Yes, all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It doesn't matter whether we're Jew or Gentile. It doesn't matter where we are in life, that we're all under that common lot. But God in His grace and in His mercy has reached out to us in His Son, Jesus Christ. And He says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him over for us all, how will He not also with Him freely give us all things? God showed us in the most powerful way that He could ever show he showed us that He is for us. He sent His only Son, Paul says in this text, to die for us, that we have just remembered His death this morning. He sent Jesus Christ not only to die for us, though, but also to deliver us from Satan's snare, to deliver us from the mastery of sin, that we were all once slaves of sin before we came to Christ, if we are Christians. And therefore, when we are discouraged, it doesn't really matter who is against us. It may be true that we are discouraged because someone that we love and know and are very close to has turned their back upon us in some way in our life. And we may feel like they are now no longer for us, but they are against us. But Paul says in this text, it doesn't really matter who is against us because God, our Creator, God, our Savior, God who will be our judge, is for us. And yet, I don't know about you, but I know about myself, that oftentimes when I am discouraged, all I can see is just the negative circumstances that I'm in at that particular point. But even and especially in those circumstances, we need to remember that God is still God, that God is still on His throne, that God is there, as it were, cheering us on to victory. And He has proven that beyond a shadow of a doubt by sending His Son in the world to give His life for us, who is now interceding for us as we're about to read in the next few verses. So pick up there at verse 33. Paul goes on to say, Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is He who died, yet 
Yes, rather he who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. For who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as is written, for your sake we are put to death, we are being put to death rather all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Again, God showed us not only by sending his son here to sacrifice his life on the cross that he is for us, but God also showed us that he is for us by raising his son Jesus Christ from the dead, by highly exalting him to his present position of all power and all authority in heaven and on earth. In short, God has given us victory in Jesus Christ so that through him, Paul says in this beautiful text, we are more than conquerors. And he says we are more than conquerors over anything Anything that life may throw our way, anything that the devil may throw away, throw our way, anything that our adversaries may throw our way, that we are more than conquerors over anything, including, he doesn't mention this in his list, but we are conquerors even over discouragement. When those discouraging times come, through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we can be more than conquerors. In the times of life when we are discouraged as God's people, our intellect needs to override our emotions so that we know, as King David did long ago, that God truly is for us. I want us to go back to the Psalms for just a moment. And this thought, of course, is reiterated in the New Testament in the book of Hebrews in chapter 13. But I want us to go back to this original passage from which that quote was taken. Back to Psalm 56, beginning at verse 8. Psalm 56 and verse 8. As we think about King David, and really I, I think I could have put him on the list this morning of examples of people who became discouraged. We think about him as the great king of Israel. We think about him uh, killing a lion and a bear. We think about him being the one as a young teenage man probably to stand up among all the mighty warriors of Israel and say, I'm the one who's going to go out and fight this, this Goliath, this Philistine who defies the armies of the, of the God of Israel. And yet David, as you read through the Psalms, and not all the Psalms, of course, were written by David, but the ones that were attributed to him, he writes about some very discouraging circumstances, doesn't he? Sometimes when he felt alone. Sometimes maybe when he was, at least at the beginning of the Psalm, forgetting that God was there with him, that God was for him. And here in Psalm 56, notice what he says at verse 8. You have taken account of my wanderings, Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? When we're going through discouraging times in our life, brothers and sisters, sometimes the tears are flowing, aren't they? Whether that is literally that they are physically streaming down our face, but maybe it's not that, but at least on the inside, the tears are flowing. And, and David is saying here to God, you know me. You know where I'm going. You know what I'm experiencing. So put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then, verse 9, my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know, that God is for me. 
in God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, in God I have put my trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? When we feel like sometimes that everyone is against us, we need to remember again that God is for us, that God is there cheering us on, that God is there giving us every tool that we need so that we can overcome the discouragement that the devil may be putting in our life. And so, number three, as we want to think again about defeating discouragement today, we can defeat that by remembering, by knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that our great God is for us his children. Connected to that, number four, we need to remember that God will provide encouragement for us. And sometimes it may come in the most unlikely of ways from the most unlikely of sources. Although looking to Jesus and knowing that God is for us certainly ought to encourage us. It ought to give us courage that we can continue to live for Him. I think sometimes we also need some other encouragers. And God knows that. I think that's one reason why God designed His church, Christ's church, in the way that He did. And so God often provides people in our lives that will encourage us in our greatest time of need. I want you to think back to the two examples that we talked about in the 9 o'clock session this morning. To think to Elijah, to think to the Apostle Paul, and to think about how God sent them encouragement, how God provided them encouragement in some very discouraging situations. So go, go back to the book of 1 Kings. As we read earlier today from uh, 1 Kings chapter 19, uh, verses 1 through 4, and setting the scene for Elijah being discouraged at this point in his life. But I want you to notice what God does here, beginning at verse 5. The text says that he, Elijah, lay down and slept under a juniper tree, and behold, there was an angel touching him. And he said to him, Arise, eat. Then he looked, and behold, there was, a, uh, was at his head a bread cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise, eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. Elijah and God have a conversation here in the following verses, but I want us to skip down to uh, verse 19 at the end of this chapter. After that conversation, the text says that he, Elijah, departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, while he was plowing with twelve pairs of oxen before him, and he with the twelfth. And Elijah passed over to him and threw his, his mantle on him. He left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Please let me kiss my father and my mother, then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? So he returned from following him and took the pair of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the implements of the oxen and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and ministered to him. I want you to be impressed with the fact, first of all, that God knew the situation that Elijah was in. God, God knew what Elijah had done in the previous chapter, as we alluded to in the earlier session. God knew that Elijah had stood up to those hundreds of prophets of Baal. He knew that he had shown to God's people uh, the great power of God in the fire coming down from heaven and totally consuming the altar and everything that was on that altar. 
But God also knew that now there was a bounty placed upon his servant Elijah's head. And he knew that he was discouraged to the point that he just wanted the Lord to take his life and he could go on and spend eternity with him. God knew all of those things. And yet God didn't say, well, that's your problem. You deal with it. God didn't say, well, you're supposed to be a a strong, a mighty warrior. For me, you're not supposed to become discouraged. And so I'm just going to let you wallow in that discouragement. Notice here and be impressed with the fact that God took notice of his situation. God first sent an angel, notice, to encourage Elijah with food and drink. Again, we, we are all made as unique people. For some of us, when we become discouraged or depressed, Maybe we start eating more than we normally do. Maybe we start drinking uh, more than we normally do. For some of us, maybe it's the opposite of that. Maybe we don't want to eat anything. Maybe we don't want to drink anything. Maybe we just kind of want to go into our own cave as Elijah was. But God knew all of that about Elijah And he sent food and drink because he still had work for him to do. And surely, as we just read these last three verses at the end of the chapter, surely God is using this younger prophet, this younger man, Elisha, to encourage Elijah as well because it says to us there at the very last verse of the chapter, verse 21, the last words almost of the chapter, then he, Elisha, arose and followed Elijah and ministered to him. Elijah was at a very vulnerable point in his life. He now needed someone to serve him. He needed someone to minister to him. And that's exactly, I think, why Elisha, or Elijah rather, was sent to Elisha. Because Elisha ministered to Elijah at a time when he desperately needed that. And we can sometimes be kind of prideful and think, well, you know, I, I, I know the Bible inside and out. I'm an elder. I'm a preacher. I'm whatever I am, and I don't really need anybody to encourage me. But I think we learn from this example here with Elijah, that's not the case. That sometimes we need someone to help us, and not just God, and not just His Son, Jesus Christ, but even those among our own number. As we think again about the life of the Apostle Paul, how he faced so many uh, challenging circumstances in his life. As we read earlier this morning in the 9 o'clock session from 2 Corinthians chapter 2, when he had come to Troas, he had an open door to preach the gospel, but he didn't have his companion Titus there, and so he went on to the region of Macedonia. Notice what Paul says, uh, something about that, I think at least related to that, in chapter 7, beginning at verse 5. 2 Corinthians 7 and verse 5, Paul says, For even when we came into Macedonia, our flesh had no rest. But we were afflicted on every side, conflicts without fears within. But God, who comforts the depressed, comforted us by the coming of Titus, and not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted in you, as he reported to us your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced even more. Yes, though Paul was discouraged as he was there in the city of Troas, Because his companion Titus was not there, notice here in Macedonia, even though he's dealing with or experiencing a discouraging, even as the New American Standard says here in verse 6, a depressing situation, that God knew that. And God sent Titus to him at this particular point in Macedonia so that he could encourage him, so that he could minister, if you will, to the Apostle Paul. 
And that encouraged Paul greatly to not only hear from Titus a report of the Corinthian Christians and how things were going there in Corinth, but I'm sure also to see his face and to hear his encouraging words. I don't have to tell you what I'm about to tell you because I think we all know this, but maybe we sometimes get caught up in our own lives and the things that we are dealing with that we forget. But there certainly are Christians in this family of God here at this particular time who are facing or maybe have recently faced some very discouraging circumstances in life. There are brothers and sisters among us who are dealing with long-term illnesses. There are brothers and sisters among us who have recently recovered from surgery. There are brothers and sisters among us who have recently dealt with the death of a loved one. There are brothers and sisters among us, I'm sure, who are dealing with anxiety about some kind of issues in their life right now. Or maybe they're dealing with doubt. They're, they're not really ready to just walk away from Jesus. But they're dealing with doubt because there just seems to be one bad thing happening after another in their life. There certainly are and probably are Christians among us who are dealing with disappointment with their own brethren. Maybe it's not brethren here at this particular church, but just brethren in other places. There are Christians who are discouraged, I'm sure. But there are also Christians, praise God, among us who have encouraged those who are discouraged. And you are doing a wonderful job of that as far as I can tell. That there are many among us who see our brothers and sisters in these discouraging situations and we're trying to encourage them by maybe making food and taking it to them or sending them a card or giving them a call just to say a word of encouragement or perhaps going to their home and visiting them. Or maybe it is even while we're gathered here just giving them a hug or a handshake to know that you understand and that you care. Brothers and sisters, this is God's plan. This is the way God designed His church, His body. This is God's providence for us that God, through our brothers and sisters sometimes, is providing exactly what we need. An encouraging word or an encouraging action when we are discouraged. And so when discouragement comes to our house, we often feel helpless and we often feel hopeless. However, the Bible tells us that we can defeat that discouragement by remembering that in God's way and in God's time, that God will provide the encouragement that we so desperately need. And then fifthly and finally this morning, we can defeat discouragement by not giving up. To me, this may be the most crucial step in defeating discouragement. In fact, this is the most crucial step in any challenge or problem that we deal with in life. How often does the New Testament talk to us about our need to have this, this godly characteristic of perseverance or endurance, that we just look at things with a long view rather than just a short view? If we will remember the points that we've already talked about today, if we will remember that discouragement comes to all of us, we will look to Jesus for help when we are discouraged, that we will trust that God is for us. We will surround ourselves with encouraging brethren. I think we will find the strength that we need to not give up, to just hang on. Some passages in the New Testament 
uh, where this particular thought is found. Galatians chapter 6, beginning at verse 8. The Apostle Paul writes here and says, For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are of the household of the faith. As as long as we, as Christians, as long as we as God's people continue doing the good things that God has equipped us to do, the good things that God has told us to do as we read His Word, the Apostle Paul was saying to these brethren in Galatia and to us, As long as we do that, we will reap eternal life. We will enjoy eternal life. It may not be in its fullest sense today, and it may not be tomorrow, and it may not be this year, and it may not be this decade. But in due time, he says, we will reap eternal life. Much the same admonition is given to the church at Thessalonica, a very loving church. Paul writes about them, but over in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 13, uh, he says to us there, But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary of doing good. In the context here of 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, he was addressing some who were lazy among them, some who were walking disorderly among them, some brethren, which I would describe them as kind of do-nothing brethren, You know, they they just kind of sat down and they're content to wait on the Lord to come again and they are stirring up problems. They're getting into each other's business and doing things that they should not do. But even in that kind of environment, the Apostle Paul's encouragement and admonition to these brethren is keep doing good. Don't grow weary to the point that you lose heart, that you're so discouraged that you stop doing that which is good. And then the final passage we'll look at this morning from the book of Romans in chapter 15. In my mind, this this text here kind of sums up these two lessons that we're thinking about today. Romans chapter 15, beginning at verse 1, Paul says, Now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good to his edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. I think Paul is saying, at least connecting it to our thoughts in this lesson today, that serving and pleasing one another, not just looking out for ourselves, not living a life where we're serving ourselves and pleasing ourselves, But we know what's going on with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We know when they are weak. We know when they are discouraged. That devoting ourselves to serving and pleasing our brothers and sisters in Christ, coupled with studying and meditating upon Scripture, what all of that does for us is fill us with encouragement so that we can persevere. And we can persevere with hope. Hope of the resurrection. Hope of living with God eternally. It's hard. It's hard to keep on doing good, especially sometimes when we think we're not doing any good. And yet, the Apostle Paul's encouragements throughout the New Testament to brethren of the first century and to us is that we must keep pressing on, even in the most difficult and discouraging of circumstances. 
because we can defeat discouragement if we will just not give up, if we will cling tenaciously to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. As I begin the lesson at 9 o'clock, I end the lesson this hour by reminding us that one of Satan's most effective tools is that of discouragement. I think our adversary, the devil, would love nothing other than for to discourage us to the point where we just totally give up, where we give up on ourselves and we give up on our families and we give up on our brethren and we give up on our God. But in his word, God has given us these and other tools that we have looked at today to help us not only deal with discouragement, but help us defeat discouragement when it comes our way. In this battle that we're in with our enemy, the devil, there's going to be some, uh, there's going to be some battles that we lose. There's going to be some times when maybe we give in to discouragement and that leads to sin in our life. But we've got to keep the big picture in mind that with God's help and God walking with us and God leading the way that we will, not we might, but we will win our battle and we will enjoy eternal life with him. The lesson's yours this morning. I hope it's been of, of help to you. If you're not a child of God, you haven't even started that walk, but you can start that walk this very morning, this very hour. You can come before this audience and confess your faith that Jesus truly is the Christ. He is the Messiah of God. And based upon your willingness to repent of your sins and put away that life of sin and selfishness, you can then be buried in the waters of baptism, have all those sins washed away. And you will be encouraged, I will tell you that. And this audience will be encouraged. We will be reminded of what it means to follow Jesus Christ. Would you start that journey this very morning? For those of us who are Christians and we've begun on that journey at some point in the past, maybe we are at a point of discouragement in our life for whatever reason. Maybe we don't even know why we're discouraged, but we're just discouraged. And if that is the case for you, let, let us know about that. Let us know how we can serve you, how we can help you, how we can pray for you. But if that discouragement is really beginning to take hold of you and you feel like it is pulling you further and further away from God, then please, please talk to God about that because God knows and God cares. However we can be of help to you as we're about to sing our invitation song, if you need to respond to his invitation, do that now as we stand and as we sing.